podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And as you can tell, there's still no Brie. She is still on her hiatus. Leave of absence. She's not here. So point of saying that is to get the attention on me and Amanda. Always. Um, as always, what's new? Um, we did want to mention, because we have forgotten twice in a row now during our recordings, to say Happy Pride Month. We said it last time, but it was at the very, very end when we remembered. So, Happy Pride Month to everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know there's only two weeks left, but it's fine. Yes. We love you. Love is love. All that good stuff. I don't all know. that jazz. All that yeah. fun stuff. Go team, go. Be an ally. Yes. Anyways, well, how are you? I know you had... Oh, wait. Did you want to talk about the, the other stuff first? There was other stuff? Like what we did today? What no, before stuff? we talk about what you did today. The stuff that we literally just talked about talking about on the episode. The... We can do both. We can talk about it at the beginning and the end. Like, get people to, like... Hey. Oh, I just meant, did we want to talk about it before you talk about your day or after you talk about your day? Let's do it before. Okay, well, it's just decided. Um, we're mentioning our Discord channel. Did she just throat punch you? Yeah, she does. Okay, that. cool. Cute. Cool, cool, cool. Hi. So uh, our announcement, not that it's news to us because we've had it set up for a while, um, but we do oh. have our Discord channel. Fine. Do I dare say finalized? Because I feel like that's not a word in my vocabulary. Established? Yes, it's established. Um, so you're able to go in there, give us suggestions, um, give us true crime ideas, give paranormal ideas. Just don't give us heels. We won't no. walk in them. No, God, no. Last time I did that was for a stupid graduation. And, uh, okay, it wasn't stupid, but it was for a graduation. And I got blisters, like, four on each foot. Okay, no. Okay. Well, um, that doesn't sound pleasant. So just give us hell there. Um, we'll post details on our Instagram and on our Twitter. Okay. Um, I haven't forgotten how to say it correctly. Don't worry. Uh, anything else with Discord you wanted to mention? I don't know. Um, I guess there, uh, there are two different sections. There's a section specifically for patrons, but everybody does have access to other areas. And just come hang out. Tell us how wonderful we are, preferably. Yes, we only take compliments unless yeah. you're from my dad, but that's also because he doesn't really give me a choice. That's, I um, it. I think that's what they call love. Tough love or just love? Oh, what's the difference? I think there's one. Oh. One's well, supposed to be nicer family. than the other. Oh, my family just has tough love. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, my dad is great. He supports us. Um, I think him and I have started when we have ideas, we just send them to each other. I'll text it to him so I don't forget what I was thinking. And he normally responds with something else. And I'm like, well, gee, I just wanted to remember what it was and I couldn't get to the computer. I love it. So I've got ideas there. Um, anyways, yes, Amanda is correct on the setup of the Discord. So if you would like to join, please Email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. That was great. Yeah, hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, and we'll get you added on the correct tier that you guys need. Um, and we just go from there. So yeah. brand new. 
it's just me, Amanda, and Bree right now. So if you're the first to join, you get direct access to all three of us. God help you. <laughs> you I'm maybe sure one day uh, we'll set it up to where you can just search for us on Discord, possibly. Um, but right now, I probably not gonna. I think we have to have a hundred members in our Discord before it can be searchable. Gotcha. So everybody so, make ten email addresses, and then yes, everybody join, and we'll get that happening. Yeah, and then no one has to worry about emailing us directly. You can just go and search for it. Yeah. Um. All right. The other thing we were going to mention was that we have been watching all of our listeners. We don't really recognize you guys very often because we just suck. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We're too we're too excited to talk about murders and ghosts for some reason. Yeah. No um, idea. Why. No idea. But we do see you guys. So we just wanted to recognize some of our listeners, not by name, um, more by region, just because that's the information I have in front of my face is region. Um, so we did recently get listeners in New Zealand. That was really exciting for us. Um, and then. Oh, exciting. Yes. Pretty sure I text everyone. and was like, hey, guys, scratch off New Zealand. Something Amanda still hasn't done, but it's fine. Look, I scratched off Alabama. Duh. And. I'll let it slide for now. Um, and then we also have a growing listener base out of California. So that's exciting to see you guys either spreading the word or just randomly encountering people that are listening. I don't know, but we do have a growing base in California. Um, is there anywhere else you wanted to shout out that's growing? <laughs> Annie, you didn't, I didn't ask you. Yeah, she doesn't care. Um, oh, okay. What else was growing? Alaska, which is pretty cool. Yes, Alaska is. And then we also had one new listener in the United Arab em- Emirates. I don't know. Emirates. It Emirates. sounds right. I'm going to trust it you. feels right, but it's probably wrong. In Dubai. Okay. So. Oh, Dubai. That's cool. I can say that one. So yes, I Because I've heard other people say it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we just wanted to kind of acknowledge you guys. We know that you're listening and we really, really appreciate the support that you guys are giving us. Um, even just by listening, it's really great. Hold on. My husband just got home and I get the feeling he didn't bring me a swig. Oh, he did bring me a swig. Oh, you're the best. Is it the correct one? It is. You're the best. I, uh, oh, yeah. me, I'm super proud of you. I was expecting you to ask me to Venmo you. He's offended that I was offering to send him money for it. but. I'll accept it. All right. Well, Amanda, how are you? I know you had a fun day today. We did. Um, Jack got all threes on his report card, which I had to ask what that meant. Um, (laughs) I was about to ask. (laughs) He's in third grade. He's about to be going into fourth grade. So they don't have grades yet. They have one through three, three being the best. And since he got all threes, uh, we took him to the zoo and we let him choose what to eat for a late lunch. He chose Korean food. We love Korean food, obviously. So we had a lot of fun. We enjoyed the zoo. Annie was very grumpy. And then she finally went to sleep and much more enjoyable. And then she blew out her car seat on the way home. So that's in the washing machine. It was a very fun day. It sounds like so much fun. So you guys saw lions and tigers and bears? We, yes, we saw all of that. (laughs) 
I had to think about it for a second because I was like, wait, because we, okay, just minor, minor vent here. Why do people, when they make zoos, do they make like this whole big continuous walk path, but it's not continuous. Like you have to like backtrack and go this way in order to see everything. You know what I mean? You got to get your steps in. Why are you complaining? I get them steps. Okay. You see this? <laughs> see her? I get some steps. But I'm it's just, uh, it's hard to make sure that we see everything. And James gets grumpy in crowds. So isn't he just grumpy? Yeah, he's pretty grumpy. I love him. Okay. He's great, he's great and grumpy. Great and grumpy. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a good day. So Jack had fun. That was the most important part. And he's not going to remember it, but yeah, you will, though. Do- yeah, we wanted to do something nice uh, to encourage his good grades. So, yeah, I would like to say that three really threw me off because I'm pretty sure I remember getting graded like A, B, C in elementary. I could be very mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, I I don't know. I haven't been in school for a very long time. And when he said he got all threes, I was like, oh, what's that mean? And <laughs> he was like, well, one is the lowest. And I was like, so one's bad. He's like, yeah, I was like, did you get any of those? And he said, no. And I was like, well, maybe next time. <laughs> well, um, yeah, maybe next time. I don't, <laughs> maybe don't encourage that. No, no, we didn't. That's what we, that's ha- actually how we started the conversation is we asked him, I asked him how many D's and E's he got. And he said none. And I was like, well, that's great. And that's when he was like, well, we don't get letter grades yet. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's great anymore. It was. It was still great. That's what counts, right? Yes. He's good at that, too. The counting. Really good at math. He helps me. He helps you with your math? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know why I feel like you should be able to help him with his math. No. Have you seen the way they do math nowadays? I don't get it. Oh, that's true. I don't get the new math, either. Yeah, he was showing me, like, the out-of-the-box stuff, and... I was like, Jack, I'm sorry. I have no idea what you just did. Like, my stepson probably thinks his stepmom is the dumbest person on earth because I kind of think that's a lot of how a lot of parents feel in general, just because, like, that math is, it does not make sense to me. I don't understand how it is better than how we were taught. I don't know. I barely understood the way we were taught. So I couldn't really help him much there either. But I don't know. It was confusing. And it just seemed like a lot of steps to get to the same place. Right. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's fun though. The zoo's fun. I enjoy a good zoo. I love a good zoo or a good museum. Oh my God. I love that, museums. That's like what me and James did while we were dating. Cause we live so far apart. We would just mm-hmm. meet in Jackson and go to like, I don't think there's a zoo and or a museum in Jackson that we haven't been to. Oh, nice. It's really fun. There's an art museum here in Utah that's really pretty. And we have fun one to in, see those. We have one in Mobile, and Mobile does a lot of stuff like that. They do a uh, bless you, bless you. <laughs> Don't do it again. <laughs> it's not coming out, so it's fine. Okay. Uh, Mos- what I went to say, Mobile and museum at the same time. Museum. Mobile has this thing they call Art Walk, and in downtown Mobile, you can go into like. I think it's like the second, first or second Tuesday or Thursday or something of every month. I don't know. I've been in Arkansas for a couple of years. But one day a week, they open all of the, what's that thing called? It's not a museum. All the exhibits. 
-hmm. like the smaller scale. Yeah, the uh, exhibits. They open all those up and you can walk around, check those out. And they have free wine and people set up in the park and sell their little knickknacks or crafts or stuff like that. It's really cool. It's always been really cool. Fun. So it's like a car boot sale, but at the museum. What the hell is a car boot? Like a We truck? talked about this with Peggy. Oh my God, we did. I blacked oh that God. out of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I won't let you. Uh, it's a car boot sale, but at the museum. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's fun though. Um, I was going to say at the zoo here in Utah, um, they do, I think they call it zoo brew. So it's for like Ooh. 21 plus and you can go drink at the zoo with the animals. Not with the animals, but like uh, near the animals. <laughs> that sounds wonderful, honestly. Just getting drunk and walking around the zoo. Yeah, I've never been. I want to do it this year, but I don't know if I'll be able to. So they're really just, like the tickets are really hard to get. I just want to go to uh, what is it? Boo at the zoo, the Halloween. Oh, yeah. Oh, we God. also do zoo lights here. Oh, for Christmas. Fun. So. We have um, Bell and Grath Gardens in Mobile, which has been around since uh, the South was established, basically. It's been around forever, and it's just so pretty. I can't even describe how pretty it is because it's so mm -hmm. big, the gardens. Uh, one day, one day, one time when me and James were dating and he came down in December, I was like, well, we'll go to Bell and Grath Gardens and look at the Christmas lights. And he was like, oh, okay, that sounds nice. He was not ready for Bell and Grath Gardens at Christmas because they're it's it's absolutely ridiculous it's like i don't know it's like christmas trees on crack the lights that they i don't know how they do it but that sounds like fun it's always really nice okay <clears throat> well are you ready for my update actually i already gave you mine beforehand but i'll debrief you okay again uh i had a crazy week at work okay did, did your ad just twitch uh-huh um <laughs> sure did um, basically I had a customer whose number was sent to the company I work at prematurely out of 200 numbers. Just, they sent us just the one so that we now own it, but we didn't know they sent it to us. Okay. So their number was no longer working. And so we were a little nervous that we were going to have to do like an emergency go live for that number. And we did not thankfully. Um, but the customer did call it. He said several times. That he was concerned that the losing provider would do something like that. And they did. How so, petty. He said it's normal for him. Yeah. So it was just kind of a crazy week. And on top of that, I had a scheduled go live with a different customer. So I was like getting close to panic mode when that happened. Because I'm like, how do I do two go lives one day after the other and still manage to give them what they need from me? <laughs> Because I'm one person and I've got meetings all day. So, anyways, that's that's my update. Um, well, then you'll have another update on our next episode because Cody and I are going to a rodeo tonight. I'm so excited for you. Uh, it's okay. I have lived here for like nine, ten years. We forget every single year about this dang rodeo <laughs> because I, I don't know what states do this but every summer the cities take a turn like take turns doing like a festival basically so like in the city i'm in it's called art city days and so it's like they've got the carnival and they've got like all these events a 5k a parade 
Like, each city does this. And, like, some of them will overlap and stuff. But for some reason, Springville, their rodeo isn't the same week as all the festival activities. Like, it's not the same weekend as the carnival. It's the weekend before. But I feel like most other cities do it the weekend of, like, all the big events. And so we always forget. <laughs> so Because it's just, like, a little outlier. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But we're going to that tonight, so we're really excited. I'm excited for the Snapchats. I better get. Oh, thanks for reminding me because I would have forgotten. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. You shall have (laughs) Snapchat overload. I'm ready. Okay. Well, I'm ready for a story. Okay. I've been complaining about your research on this for like a week. So I'm glad that you started (laughs) with that because this is the story of Anna Laura Corbin. And this is kind of a short story for me. Y'all know how I get. But if you're interested, there is a lot of information about her life and death that I can't give many of the details, unfortunately, due to copyrights. But if you are interested in this story, definitely go check out Jamie Rubio. And that's spelled J-apostrophe-A-I-M-E. She has pretty much nailed this topic and she provides accurate information where a lot of sources don't. And I actually found out about Anna Corbin from Ghost Adventures and they do report a lot of information wrong. Does that surprise you? No. Okay. Just making sure. (laughs) So Anna Corbin, she was born Anna Laura Lawton and she was born the 16th of January, 1898 in Kansas. Okay. Her parents were Etta, which I just like that name, Etta. Etta and Wilbur Lawton. Wilbur was an entrepreneur. He was a farmer, a banker, a politician. Like, that's just a couple of the things. Dude was busy. And Etta was a homemaker, which she would probably have to be because Wilbur seemed busy. Um, Sometime, not long after Anna was born, her mother went to the hospital and she never comes back. Uh, Wilbur would later claim to be a widower. And we don't know why she never came home, but records show her dying like years later. So we don't really know what happened. Um, But with this being the early 1900s, honestly, anything could have happened. She got lost on her way home. She could have just like been on her period. So, you know, the dad was like institutionalized. Like, this is back in those days. Cody's trying to figure out a way to do that for me now. So, like, in today's day and age. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, no. He says that, but then he brings you swigs. So, stop talking smack. He didn't really have a choice on bringing me the swig. Um, (laughs) I (laughs) made a point to say, if you're going somewhere, you're bringing me back a swig. And he said, oh, am I? And I said, it's (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable. Well, he knows, doesn't he? He knows who's in charge. (laughs) Since Anna was so young, uh, when her mother um, didn't come home, I guess, she was adopted and raised by her aunt and uncle in Emporia, Kansas. She was really close with her cousin growing up. And while going to college to become a teacher, she met Robert Corbin. And in 1918, the couple got married. Their first child, Harold, was born in 1919, and after moving to Colorado for a short time, they had their second child, 
a daughter that they named Avis. Also love the name Avis. How I feel about Avis. Um, isn't that like a store or something? Like the helpful place? I have Avis, no idea. I'm place? thinking Elvis. It's very oh. close to Elvis for me. And I mean, nothing beats Elvis. Okay. I just like the name Avis. I think it's pretty. I'm not judging you too harshly. <clears throat> so after Avis was born, they moved again to Southern California. And they lived in Whittier for a few years. And finally, they settled in Ione, California. Robert was soon hired as a group supervisor at the Preston School of Industry in Ione in 1935. And I'm actually going to talk about Preston next week because that place is wild. Like, that is a story all its own. You're going to hear about it. So this is kind of like a part one and two for me. Not long after Robert got hired at Preston, Anna, she also got hired there. And she got hired as a housekeeper. And she would go on to become head housekeeper. And she was really loved and respected at Preston and in the community. She was active in several groups, including the Ion Women's Club. And she sang in the choir at the Ion Methodist, excuse me, church. Methodist. Messages. 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 The Messages Church. Messages from God. What messages have we gotten today? Um, I think we have a book, but I'm not sure from God to us. Is it holy something? Holy biblioteca or something? I think so. I think, well, (laughs) I think that's the Spanish version. Oh, oh, actually, I'm pretty sure biblioteca is library. So maybe, maybe not. So it's in a biblioteca somewhere. I think you could find it in a biblioteca. Okay. Ask your librarian. It can only be at a holy biblioteca, though. A holy library? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) For those of you that aren't catching on, we're talking about the Bible. Yes, we are indeed talking about the Bible. (laughs) That is the multiple words of God. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. Where was I? Oh, okay. So in 1947, while Anna was the head housekeeper, her husband, Robert, had a heart attack and he passed away. Um, her son, by this time, had already died in the war and her daughter was married. So since she was alone at home, that's when she poured herself into her work. And they said that most of the wards really liked Anna and most of them, if not all of them, they saw her as a mother figure. So she was just, I mean, it sounded like she was all around like, like sounds like a wonderful woman. The The afternoon of February 23rd, 1950, another housekeeper named Lillian McDowell was with a ward assigned to housekeeping, and his name was Robert Hall. They found bloodstains that were going from Anna's office to a storage room across the hall. And yeah, we're we're just we're diving right in here. Um now if you watch Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, there was another one ghosty that i can't remember i think it was ghost asylum they all say that anna's body was found in like this little closet type thing in a corner either in the kitchen or off of the kitchen like a pantry type thing something like that they they called it a storage closet but from what i read about 
uh, in Jamie Rubio's, I mean, y'all, this girl's everywhere, Facebook, blogs, you can find her, trust me, she's got a podcast. From what I read about, from what she found, she was actually found in a storage room, and they have something called a plunge bath, which is where um, they, I think it was lie. Let me look that up real quick. They would literally fill up this pool um, and make the boys just kind of like swim in it to disinfect them when they came in. Wait, I'm s- wait, repeat that again. They would, what? They had <clears throat> a plunge bath and it was like a, it looks like a pool, like a swimming pool. Right. But they used it to disinfect people when they uh, came in. So, like, when the boys came in, they filled this plunge bath up. I think it was lie. I'm not sure. But to me, it sounded like flea dipping a dog. That sounds awful. Yeah. Um, I would rather just swim in a pool of... Something Anything else. else. Anything else. Yeah, mud even. Because doesn't lie break down human skin? I think it does. And I could not say but everything. Everything? Yeah. <clears throat> that's why I say I could be wrong on that. But also, again, given the time period and how people were generally mistreated in areas and situations like this, it wouldn't surprise me. Because the Preston School for uh, Preston School of Industry, it was basically a reform school. California at the time, they did not have any, so boys were just sent to prison. Um, so they, I feel like that's logical. Uh, I think it is. Okay. So instead, they sent them to Preston School of Industry, where the boys, <clears throat> excuse me, they were in school for half a day, and then they learned a trade, and it was very, like, military school. So it did reform some people and other people it did not okay now this um plunge bath thing anna's office was right across the hall from that and at the time this all happened that pool was boarded up and they used it as a storage room so according to jamie rubio that is actually where they found anna corbin's body was in that plunge bath room. The door was locked. And when they broke it down, they found Anna's body under a pile of carpets with her underwear pulled down around her ankles. Oh, I don't like it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, I don't like it. Um, Police found shoe polish, shoe polish towards the back of her underwear, like on the backside which led them to believe that she had been attacked from behind in her office and dragged into the storage room where she had been sexually assaulted, which is why they found the blood trail and stuff too. The autopsy would later prove that there had been no sexual assault and the cause of death was due to being garroted and also due to a skull fracture from either falling or being thrown to the floor. And I know we've spoke about garrots before, but since it was a while back, I'm just going to kind of remind y'all. A garrot is a weapon used to strangle people, and it could be made of a couple different things. Uh, Most commonly rope, metal wires, clothing like scarves or belts. 
It's just a tool used to strangle people. Anna was found with a piece of hemp cord still wrapped around her neck and knotted behind her ear. Nope. <clears throat> Investigators like were quickly called in and they begin checking the 600 plus wards clothes for blood. And they narrow it down to three boys. One of them, I could not find his name anywhere. <clears throat> Another one of the three was actually Robert Hall, who was the boy that was on housecoop- housekeeping duty. And he was pretty quickly ruled out because he was with Lillian McDowell. The third suspect was Eugene Monroe. He had blood on his shoes and belt, and it matched Anna's blood type. And he had burned some of his clothes in the incinerator for some Um, reason. Sir? Seems a little suspicious at all. Yeah, not the the best idea. I'm gonna just say it sounds sounds like you just had a solid plan and fell through there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to get caught burning those things. No, ever. Because even, I mean, you could have been innocent and immediately, like, what you doing? Why? Why are you doing that? Right. He claimed that he had cut himself in the shoe shop the day before, and this was corroborated by another ward and one of his friends. Uh, but he was also seen vigorously shining his shoes after the murder. Sir. Mm-hmm. Sir. What are we doing? Just, uh, just a little, little shoe shine. Oh, okay. Just a little, little shine Just a little, a little one. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, Eugene Monroe, he was 19 at the time of Anna's murder. He was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he had been in trouble with the law on numerous occasions. He was at Preston at this time for burglary. He was known to have an attitude, and when being questioned, people actually said that they could hear him screaming through the walls or through the door. He was super upset. He was... He was also known for destroying his cells when he was in isolation, that he was said to rip a pipe off the walls. Uh, I don't know how strong you have to be to do that, but I think pretty damn. I've never tried to rip a pipe off the wall, but. I guess it depends on how how well it was attached to the wall. So it depends on the plumber. Uh-huh. Okay. Still seems difficult. Maybe age, too, because, you know, like, things can get, like, bolts and nuts can get loose throughout the years. Maybe it was okay. older and already. Loser? That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. He could have been just incredibly weak and just grabbed the right pipe. Yeah. That's I very well could have been that. Okay. I like that idea because he doesn't sound like a great person. Okay. We'll go with that then. He was um, the incredible weakling. He was also known to self-harm. He would oh, okay. scratch his face to the point of leaving scars. He okay was charged with Anna's murder on March 3rd of 1950, and he had three trials. The first two resulted in a hung jury, and Nathaniel Colley was Monroe's lawyer. He asked to move the third trial to Sacramento, out of the county, and this motion was granted, and this time Monroe was acquitted. 
Why were they wanting to move him out of the county? I guess because he kept, they kept like hanging the, the first two courts, what? The first two trials, the juries were from that area. Oh, so, so maybe just like the media attention and that was, right. okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. They, they wanted to give him a quote unquote fair trial. With people um, that may not have recognized his name in the case. Okay. Yeah. Uh, since he was acquitted, Anna's death has never been solved, but it is pretty heavily assumed that Monroe was responsible, and I'm going to tell you why. After serving his time at Preston, he was paroled to Oklahoma, where he moved in with his aunt in Tulsa. He was arrested four times between 1950 and 1951 for sexual perversion. He bragged about getting away with murder while he was in jail. And um, Anna was not the first person he was suspected of murdering. He was thought to have murdered a young girl in L.A. in 1947 by the name of Vesta Bell Sapinter. She was an <laughs> honor student. What? Oh, bless you. I thought you were laughing. I was about to be like, ma'am, there's nothing no. funny. I'm sorry. That was just my awkward sneeze. Okay. I was going to mute it beforehand and I didn't. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. Vesta Bell Sapinter. I kind of like the name Vesta. It is really pretty. And I really like Vesta Bell too. Yeah. It's really pretty. She was an honor student. She was 17 and she had been found raped and murdered in her bedroom. With a thin hemp cord knotted behind her left ear. And at that time, Vesta and Eugene were the only people in the house. Her little brother was in the front yard. Uh, Eugene was delivering something to the house. Uh, but Interesting, Eugene. Mm -hmm. Due to huh. the lack of evidence and witnesses... Prosecutors decided not to pursue this case. They questioned him and they had to let him go. He was eventually charged, however, for the murder of Dorothy Waldrop in April of 1952. Dorothy was a 22-year-old dance instructor and she was pregnant. Her husband was a taxi driver. So he left their house in Tulsa after... A little bit after 8 p.m. And when he got back at 1 a.m., he said the front door was wide open and his wife was gone. They found the body of Dorothy on June or in June, excuse me, of 1951 on a hill not far from their apartment building. She had been strangled with a dirty handkerchief and she was raped post-mortem. Police found a piece of the blinds from the Waldrop apartment in the bushes and that that piece of blinds had Monroe's fingerprints on it. Good, he, he slipped up. He also eventually confessed to the murder. Good. And it's generally <laughs> believed because of this, Monroe is guilty of all these crimes since every victim just so happened to have a garrote knotted around their neck. It's his M.O. Mm-hmm. And Wait, he was arrested yeah. all those times on sexual perversion. So, on the in the books... Anna Corbin's case is still unsolved. Uh, however, this guy kind of seems 
officially, <laughs> officially, it's not solved. Yeah. But, but it's it, likely. It's, yeah. It seems pretty damn solved to me. Right. Um, by the way, I was looking at pictures. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. Look how cute she is. Anna Corbin? Yeah. She does. She's just, she looks like a grandmotherly woman. Like, she looks like she would be very. See, that picture like to me, kind she of doesn't. prim and proper and. Well, in that picture, she looks younger. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, she just looks really sweet. Like, she doesn't look crazy like some of the other cases we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, she was only 52 i think 52 yeah yeah 52 yeah 89 or whoa 98 to 50 so she was pretty young not sad mm-hmm. so it's solved it's just not solved yeah and he's never admit to because he can't be retried for this so he's mm-hmm. never nope. admit to her murder publicly he's, no He's bragged about it in prison. Uh, he got he got life. I'm trying to remember. He got life in prison for her, uh, for Dorothy Waldrop. And then while he was in prison, he got another, I think, 32 years for grand larceny, I believe it was. And okay. yeah, he was in jail for a, a very long time. He did eventually get paroled. And I believe he passed in 2011. Good riddance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And that, that is the very unfortunate and sad story of Anna Corbin. Sad. That was a good one. Thank Ugh, you. It was a sad one. Mm-hmm. I don't like the sad ones, but it was good. I know, Annie, me too. She said me too. See? Oh. She's looking at you real hard. I yeah. Oh. <laughs> I can't tell if she's enjoying that. it or just confused. She's still in that like, I just woke up, how dare you stage. Oh, okay. The world should not be around how dare you wake me up. I'm mm-hmm. yeah. If I'm not happy, the world's not happy. Got it. That is the damn truth. (laughs) Case in point. Well, I have a story for you. I'm so ready. I'm not. Where are my freaking notes? Oh, that I can't help. Um, I do only have one picture in there, so you can go in whenever you want and look at the picture. Okay. Okay. Um, it's it's been a minute since we've done a case like this. I'm digging uh, those sideburns. Right? He's mm-hmm. got some good looking sideburns. Um, we're doing an alien abduction case today. Oh, yeah, we are. It's been a minute. So, <clears throat> fair warning. As I was going through these notes, when certain things were said or anything like that, I had a bunch of just movie references come through my head. So, I was half awake when I was doing my notes. If I come across movie references, I don't feel bad. So, <laughs> okay. Just. Just fair warning. Um, so we're going to remedy the fact that it's been a minute since we've done an alien abduction case. <clears throat> so have you ever heard of the Pascagoula abduction? Mississippi? Yeah. Yeah. You've heard of it? Yeah. My okay, grandma's well, seen it. Oh, she saw it? Yeah. She saw uh, the spaceship. 
Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> so, technically, the story starts the day before the abduction. And I'm assuming this is when your grandma sees the spaceship. Um, on October 10th, 1973, there's a total of 15 different people that report seeing a large silver UFO. Now, that number is like people that actually reported it, not just people that saw it and were like, oh, cool, it moved on. Yeah, because I don't think she reported it. Yeah. So, 16 different people, including Amanda's grandma. So, <clears throat> of these 15 people that officially reported it, two of them were actually police officers. And so that tends to give a little bit of credibility that law enforcement officers are ready to and willing to report what they saw. Um, basically, the reports of that these individuals, or I'm sorry, the reports state that what they saw was a large silver UFO. It was slowly flying over a housing project in New Orleans, Louisiana. And then on October 11th, 1973, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker were out fishing on the Pascagoula River. Hickson is 42 years old. Parker was 19 years old. Um, they were just like family friends. They'd known each other for a very long time. Um, Hickson was helping Parker get established in the town of Gautier. Gautier? Gautier. Gautier. <laughs> is it G-A-U-T-I-E-R? Yeah. Gautier. That's not how it's spelled. <laughs> That's that I know Mississippi's wild, but yeah, that's it's also not how the book that I listened to pronounced it. So, oh, trust me, that happens all the time. That's fine. You got I don't... you got Gaucher, you got Escataba. Escataba is like E S C A W T P I A, something weird like that. Yeah. So this isn't like German pronunciation, like James James. No. my story. No, it's uh, mainly French, uh, mostly Kunis. Well. Good thing I'm only going to say this once. Gaucher, Mississippi. <laughs> they were working at Wagner Shipyard. And Parker had actually just started and moved there not too long before the incident. So after work, they decide, let's go fishing on the Pascagoula River. Um, they get out there. It was already dark by the time the story happens. And Amanda, you've talked about fishing. Um, is it better to fish in the dark? I didn't quite understand this logic. It depends on what you're fishing for, uh, but fish, they either eat at night or in the day. They do eat at night, and if it's a full moon, then, oh yeah, they're going to they gonna eat at night. Okay, well, my limited knowledge and my notes say that I think it's better what you just confirmed, so thank you. You're welcome. Did so they do the time? Well, if you let me finish my story, you would hear Absolutely time. Absolutely not. Why Jesus would I do Christ. That? So they set up on a pier on the west bank of, Pas of the Pascagoula River and around nine. So some reports say six, but others say nine. But the point is, is that it's after dark. So I'm probably going to lean towards nine o'clock. Okay, um, that's not weird. Yeah. October, yeah. nine o'clock, it being dark. I feel like six o'clock is a stretch for it being dark in October. Yeah. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Uh, but also at the piers, like, people literally fish there, like, all hours of the night. Well, all, all I care about is the time. So it's either 6 p.m. or 9 p.m. I'm going to say 9 p.m. Okay. So they're out there, and they suddenly hear what they describe in different ways as buzzing, whirring, or a whizzing sound. Whizzing is, like, my favorite description for a sound now, so. That makes me uh, think somebody's peeing. 
No. <laughs> oh, okay. So not like taking a whiz. The spaceship was not taking a whiz. Okay, good to know. It was causing a whiz. I'm uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, honestly, yeah, I would probably piss myself if I saw a UFO. I'd be like, oh my God. I don't think either of them peed themselves. And so that was just me. <laughs> so they hear the sound. They turn around because the sound's coming from behind them. And what they see is a, a UFO. Uh, they describe seeing a glowing egg-shaped object. And they're, they said it was about 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet tall. And it had two flashing blue lights on it. So both men state that it was hovering just a few feet over the water. And it was about 30 feet from the shore of the river. So it was just there. <laughs> um, so as they're watching this, one of the doors, actually a door opens on the craft. And they both are like, we don't, we have no idea where this door came from. It didn't swing out. It didn't like swing in. It's just a door appeared. So <clears throat> three beings emerge from the UFO uh, and they describe these beings as floating over the water towards them. No, I don't like it at all. Both men stated they had legs, but they didn't use them. So the oh. creatures had legs, but they just floated along. That's even worse. Yes. <laughs> um, they said that they were all about five feet tall. They had what they called bullet-shaped heads, no neck, robotic slit mouths. Where their noses or ears should be, there were cone-shaped objects sticking out. So the one article compared this to like a snowman, you know, like in Frozen with um, Olaf, how his nose just kind of comes to a point. Okay. Just imagine Olaf. First of all, Olaf has no neck, so this is going to work great. Um, <laughs> imagine Olaf as... About five feet tall. He's got a carrot sticking out his face for his nose and then one in each ear for each ear. Oh, I don't like this at all. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop ruining Olaf for that. But that's the idea. So they just had the, the cone-shaped objects for their nose and their ears. Um, both men said they couldn't see eyes, but they're not sure if they just didn't have eyes or if their skin was covering their eyes. Because they stated their skin was super coarse and wrinkled like an elephant. And they were gray. Skin covering their eyes. That is horrendous. Yes. Vomitous. Oh, no. I don't like that one bit. My granny did not that. tell me this part of the story. <laughs> I don't know horrible. if she saw part of the story. <laughs> I hope to God she didn't. My granny does oh. not deserve that. You know what? Can you just cut them a break? Maybe they just need a better skincare routine. They're aliens. Uh, they look at the technology they have. They are able to float without using their legs. Maybe that is their skincare routine. Our feet never touch the ground. I bet it is, they have like a, a baby's bottom down there. Well, they not also have. Uh, right. They also have rounded feet. Oh, I'm oh. not even done with the description of them. Oh, my God. Um, and they have crab like pincers for hands. Have you now, seen that? I can get behind. Have you seen Thunder Force on Netflix? No. It is Melissa McCarthy. It's hilarious. Okay, you should watch that because that there is a uh, crab man on there. Gosh, what is his name? I can't. I can see his face. I can't think of the actor now, though. It's gonna bug is me. it Hank? No. Okay, I don't, I don't think know. So 
I just threw Thunder it out. Thunder Force. Um, no. I think that might have popped up the other night, actually. And me and James were like, oh, we love her. We have to watch. Nope. No, it wasn't. It was something with Rebel Wilson. I suck uh-huh. at actors and actresses. Jason Bateman. I don't know. You don't. Jason Bateman? He's got a pretty face. Hold on. Let me share my screen. Once you see him, I think you'll recognize him. Maybe. Oh, that guy from that, uh, that movie. Uh, Thunder Force. <laughs> no, never seen that. Anyways, yes. So he's in that movie. Spoiler of if you haven't seen it, he's got crab hands. Uh, so that's all that. when they were describing. That's all I could have envisioned was Jason Bateman and Thunder Force. Anyways, moving on. There were also several articles that state that the men had. Uh, so Hickson and Parker had the impression that the beings were actually robots. Um, so Parker and Hickson. They later go on to state that they were conscious but paralyzed. I would also be paralyzed with fear. Yeah, definitely. And the creatures approach them and the, they grab Parker and Hickson. Two of the creatures grab Hickson and the third grabs Parker. Now, in some reports, it states that Parker had actually fainted from fright. So he wasn't conscious. Can't blame um, him. But other reports state that he was not or he had not fainted. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on, kind of with the skeptics. And Parker is the young guy, right? Yes. Parker's the younger one. So Hickson states that when the creatures put like their arms around his body, he felt just numb all over. And Hickson and Parker were floated into a blight- brightly lit room. They weren't walked. They were floated into this room. Because um, they, couldn't, they couldn't move. They couldn't fight him off. Couldn't run. Couldn't do anything. And one thing that they said was just there was light coming from everywhere. The floors, the ceilings, the walls, the doors, just everywhere. Sounds expensive. Yeah, sounds super expensive. Yeah. Think about how many times, like, if anyone puts, that's why they float. Yeah, honestly, can you imagine how hot their floor is? Yeah, the floor is actual lava. The floor is lava. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he's floated into a room and he says that this is Hickson's account of the story. And he basically says that he's put in this room with an eye-like device and it kind of just examines him all over. Have you uh, seen uh, the new uh, Sonic uh. movie? Uh-huh. You know, Dr. Robotnik with his robots? Yeah. All I can envision is one of those robots when Sonic's in the attic, just scanning them. You're nailing it with the movie references. You really are. I told you. I just, everywhere on this, I was like, Dr. Robotnik, this one? Horrible I- bosses. Sorry. That's what Jason Bateman yes. was in. Yes, he is. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, so if you can just envision, for those of you that haven't seen the new Sonic, I think you should, because that was a wonder, not the brand, brand new one, but the one that came out a couple years ago. It's a wonderful movie. Um, Definitely go see that one, and you'll understand the I like robot. I, like it. I, I don't know what that face was for. Anyways, no. so Hickson says he really, there was no sensation. He wasn't in pain. He didn't feel anything like that. And he's like, well, after that, I examines him, it leaves. And he's just kind of floating there. And your face kills me. Is it the fact that he was left floating? That and the eyeball. That is the eyeball. I like or I shape. But yeah, but that's what is. No. Okay. No. Um, I don't like any part of this. Also, where are their fishing poles? Those are expensive. You're going to have to ask the aliens that. 
they're in the ocean. I know they are. Or they're, you said the river. They're in the river. They're never getting those I, back. I will say in one of the articles, they weren't really catching anything. And like Parker was like, let's just go home and be done. So there's a possibility there were no uh, fishing poles in the water at the time. So if that's your concern, don't worry about it. Okay. I, I am. Cause... Okay. Um, anyway, so Hickson says he's just kind of left there. He assumes that he was left there because they went to go examine Parker while he was waiting. And when they come back, they float him and Parker out of the craft. And Hickson and Parker, they say that the event lasted somewhere between 20 to 40 minutes in total. They weren't quite sure. Neither of them weren't sure the time they were taken as well as returned. So they're just kind of going with the flow. Wow, that's quicker than the doctor's office. Yeah. I mean, if you can give me a full, full checkup in 20 to 40 minutes, I'll take it. Yeah, honestly, though, they should yeah. open up a... a Express clinic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, not I express. The P can be a spaceship with the light coming down. Exactly. Mm -hmm. See, we can do this. We can do this. We can help with the marketing, guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So when Hickson kind of regains, like, his focus and is looking around, he realizes that Parker is just crying and praying on the ground, totally freaked out. And Hickson claims that he received a message through telepathy that stated... We are peaceful. We meant you no harm. Could you have led with that? <laughs> no. You waited until after I was emotionally and hopefully not physically scarred to tell me that? Yes. That's the beginning of it's, the conversation, hey, bro. Let's just Haven't you seen any UFO movie ever? Okay, but this is also like uh, what I did to you with Peggy. I told you the consequences after I showed you her picture. And that's when my colon attacked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so after the beings get back on the UFO, they, the UFO would rise straight up into the sky and just disappear. And the two men kind of gain their composure. And at first they say they were reluctant to tell anyone of the events and they really feared like the potential ridicule. But mm -hmm. ultimately they, they're like, we've got to tell someone. And so Hickson, he calls the same night like this. They were just abducted. And he calls uh, Keesler Air Force Base. Oh, okay. I was going to ask earlier, like, who do you call in these situations? Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, well, Keesler tells them, we don't handle those anymore. Um, so call your local sheriff. Anymore? Who Project, took... Project Blue Book. Who took Keesler off of this? Like, whose idea Project was Project Blue Book. No, whose idea was it? Project Blue Book. What? Who, who made this blue book? <laughs> Not me. Who was the head of this project? I need to know because why would you ever take UFOs and give them to the damn sheriffs? I need to hear the rest of this story because I feel like it's not going to go well. Uh, okay, well, they are kind of hesitant to go to the sheriff because they're like, he's going to think we're crazy. They're, they're all going to think we're crazy. And Hickson, he's like, let's just go to the media. Which I feel like is opposite of not wanting to let people know, you know? Yeah, 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 and yeah. So they go, but it's late at night and they're like, oh, it's closed. So our choices are sheriff's office or no one. So they do end up calling their um, local sheriff's office. I have to sneeze again. Bless you, bless you. Are you okay? They put My something allergies. in the sip. Oh, okay. 
It's my or the, allergies. Or the chug, whatever it is, the sip. The swig. <laughs> Every damn verb I said, I still got it wrong. I got parts of it right. I got the S right. That's fine. And an I. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so they end up going to the police. They are fearful that they're going to be skeptical of their story, but they're like, let's just go anyways. So the sheriff puts them in a room where they they interview them together and separately. They're just trying to figure out, like, what the hell are you people talking about? They and interviewed them together first, and then they separated them? They did both ways. It doesn't say which way was first. There's Amateurs. a fluffy tail behind you. That's Maple. <laughs> She's um, chasing flies. That's fine. Anyways, so um, I think they did individually and then together. And then they put them together and they're like, okay, obviously they're just kind of messing with us. And so they put them in a room with a secret tape recorder. And the reason they did this was just in their minds, well they'll slip up. Like once we leave them alone and they get talking for a few minutes, they're going to slip up and we're going to figure out this was a hoax all along. Um, the men did not slip up. Um, uh, at one point in the recording, you can hear Hickson saying it scared me to death too, son. You can't get over it in a lifetime. Now the officer who initially questioned them stated that the longer he watched, the more genuine the fear felt for him. This entire conversation between Hickson and Parker was recorded. You are able to listen to what they call the secret tape recording online in a lot of different places. Um, it was a little hard for me to make out. So I just found a transcript of it uh, that I listened to in a book. So you can also find the transcript. You listen uh, to the transcript in a book? Yes. <laughs> okay. It was. I'll, I'll actually talk about that book for a second. Like an on. audio book? Yeah. Ah, okay, because I'll... Okay, now it's collecting. Connect. Yeah. So, there was an audiobook. There's an audiobook that I purchased so I could listen to it that had a transcript of the secret audio tape. Are we following now? Gotcha. We're on the same page. Okay. So, um, Hickson claims that both him and Parker were like, let's just keep the incident quiet. Like, we don't want to tell anyone. They told the sheriff. We don't want people to know. Let's just... We want to move on with our lives. We just wanted to report it. Well, of course, the news catches wind of the story and local presses release the story within just a day or two. And within a few days, the Pascagoula incident was nationwide news. The Aerial Phenomenon uh, Research Organization, APRO, sent Professor James Harder to investigate. James Harder was a professor at the University of California. So, I mean, he's not some random crack job. Quack job. That's important. Yes. And then the U.S. Air Force goes on to send Dr. J. Allen Hynek to investigate. Harder and Hynek were both very well respected in their fields. Like, very well respected. So, Harder and Hynek interview Hickson and Parker separately together. They even go on to hypnotize both of them. But the hypnot uh, hypnotiz hypno hypnotization session. Hypnotism? The hypnotism. Um... <laughs> I was just throwing words, hoping one of them stuck. <laughs> so Love. during the session, Hickson was under so much stress that they actually had to pull him out because it was just not, he was so fearful during that state that they just had to abort it. Both Parker and Hickson were encouraged to take polygraph tests. They both passed. 
Carter and Hynek both stated that they believed the men's claims. Hynek is even quoted stating, there was definitely something here that was not terrestrial. Uh, what? Oh, I was just intrigued. Okay. I just several said, huh? or something okay. like that. You just made noise. Yeah. Okay. Um, several weeks after the incident, there were some coast guardsmen and fishermen that had an encounter with an unidentified underwater metallic object. Mm-mm, mm-mm, now it's not clear if these two incidents are connected or not, but this object was chased in the Pascagoula river. So basically the object that they saw underwater, it had an amber light on it. And they, I mean, these people were close enough that they could touch it. And each time it would, was prodded with a boat hook, the object would turn its lights off and move away and then turn its lights back on. Like it, to me, when I was reading that story, it felt like it was toying with them. Like, go ahead and touch us, but we're just going to move away. Why are you, why, why? Put it why back. Leave yes. it alone. Stop poking it with the stick. <laughs> What's the matter um, with you? I don't know. In total, this lasted about 40 minutes before the craft vanished, and they just never saw it again. They sat there poking that thing with a stick for 40 minutes. They weren't poking it with a stick, with a boat hook. Do you know what a boat hook is? It's literally a hook on the end of a pole that you use to, like, dock or undock a boat. Yeah, but so it's you're still just, not a stick. <laughs> I just imagine these country type of folk that I grew up with just being like, Hey, there's something in the water. Give me that there boat hook. <laughs> and just poking at it. <laughs> that is that is 100% something my father would do. Um, please ask your father if he's done this with an unidentified underwater craft. Oh, I will. I'll text him right now. Okay. Well, <clears throat> that, again, no one was abducted with that one. And it's not even clear if that's connected. But it is just a strange coincidence that, that happened a couple weeks after. And it was in the Pascagoula River. Now, Hickson was happy to talk about the incident afterwards. He gave interviews. He went to lectures. He even appeared on television. In 1974, Hickson reports three more encounters with UFOs. I could not. I'm sure if I tried harder or read his book, I would have found the encounters with those UFOs. But I didn't read his book this time. So Hickson does write a book. Oh, spoiler. He writes a book that is released in 1983, and the book is called UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Uh, and then Hickson passes in 2011. His son stated that Hickson just wanted to let everybody know we're not alone, and he really didn't care if you believed him or not. So that was Hickson's after the whole incident. He kind of became UFO celebrity status. Um, after the incident for Parker, he actually really tried to stay in the background for the most part. He actually took out-of-state jobs to create distance from the incident and from attention. Um, he would end up attending UFO conventions. Um, in 1993, he reportedly started a company called UFO Investigations, and it was to produce television stories about aliens or UFOs. And I'm telling you, I searched I couldn't find any information on this company. So I'm not sure if the had the name incorrect or if the company went under or got rebranded or something, but I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find a company that was owned by Parker. Nothing. Huh. So I don't know what that was about, but supposedly he started that. Um, 
And for a very long time, he never detailed his account of what happened that night until he released his book, Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter in 2018. So I did. That's the book I did listen to. Now, a lot of people find a lot of validity in this case by what they call the lack of cashing in. The local community hasn't put up markers at the site. They don't have alien-themed bars or restaurants. They don't sell UFO or or alien souvenirs. Can confirm. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, can confirm. I've never seen... Because Pascagoula is, like, not far. I'm trying not to, like, triangulate my family. Not far at all. It's like a hop, skip, and a jump from where I grew up. I've never seen anything like this. I never even knew it was, like, a national thing. I just grew up listening to my grandma's story about it. I literally, I was like Googling, I was on Google Maps trying to see if they had bars, anything, I couldn't find anything. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how valid that is, but. Absolutely nothing. There's a gator farm though. Is it a secret UFO farm that's using gators as a cover? No, it's just a a gator farm. Okay. Big gators that give them chicken. It's a lot of fun. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people also find a lot of validity in the story based off of the secret tapes. And also the fact that during those tapes, they didn't slip up and they just don't think it's really a hoax. Also, under hypnotism, there was enough trauma there that they couldn't continue with it. Um, And both men took and passed a polygraph test. Uh, Hickson even appeared on an episode of To Tell the Truth. And from what I could find on that episode, he passed on all marks in the episode. So everyone thinks he was definitely telling the truth. Now, of course, any good alien abduction story, there's always going to be skeptics. One skeptic is aviation journalist Philip J. Class. Uh, Class just said there's too many discrepancies in the story. Like, he just is like, there's just too many ifs, here's, but this and that. Um, He said, initially, both men stated they were conscious but paralyzed, but it later comes out that Parker had fainted. So, what is it? Yeah, but we also know that during trauma, people remember things differently because Mm -hmm. it's freaking traumatic. Mm -hmm. He also noted that Hickson had refused to take a polygraph test conducted by what he called an experienced examiner. Um, I, I don't know if that just... Sorry, I don't know if that statement came out before they did the polygraph test or after. So if it came out after, I'm willing to bet that class is like... That examiner doesn't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he said it exactly like that. He probably did. Um, Or if it was beforehand, it was just probably really early on, that type of stuff. So really, classes like this was just a hoax. Like, he doesn't believe it at all. But then again, class is like a huge skeptic of really any alien story, UFOs, that type of stuff. Um, Another skeptic, Joe McKell. He goes on and he writes saying that he considers Hickson's behavioral to be what he calls questionable. He said that Hickson would alter and embellish his claims. Like it just was always different, always embellished. And he believes that Hickson fantasized the encounter during a waking dream state. So he was basically like, you know, when you're half awake and like you're still kind of dreaming. But yeah. you're coming out of it. He's basically comparing it to that. Okay, well, what about Parker? He says that Parker, if he fell asleep or passed out for any reason, he would have just been suggestible by Hickson's fantastic dream. Um, and also with them being 
so close and that type of stuff. It would explain like how Parker was like, oh yeah, I just passed out. I fainted because he wouldn't have any memories from within the ship. I don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's just a little far-fetched. Yeah. So there are those skeptics and then a lot more skeptics just point out different discrepancies between both Parker's and Hickson's books. Um, I did listen to Parker's book. Um, the one that came out in 2018. Um, if you guys want to listen to just one of the books, his book does pull excerpts from Hickson's book, the 1983 book. So you get both accounts. Um, and I will say listening to their book, um, I didn't instill confidence in me. I'm not saying I don't believe them. Um, I can just see how the skeptics are like, there are a ton of discrepancies between their stories. Um, a lot of them were really small discrepancies and I could like write them off to be like, well, their memory's bad. And then some of them, I'm like, well, how did he pass a lie detector test when they said that he fainted, but now he's saying he didn't faint during, this is for Parker. Um, he said he fainted during the experience, but then now he hasn't. And he passed a polygraph test way back when, and now he's able to write this whole story about being in the ship and just things like that where I'm like, well, that doesn't quite make sense to me mm-hmm. um but it's just things like that where i was like mm, i don't know uh, basically parker said that hickson told him if you were that frightened tell him that you passed out and it'll be basically my story of what happened you saw the ufo you passed out and i'll go from there um and Parker went with it for a long time up until he released his book and he was not passed out. So that's really like the biggest thing that skeptics see listening to it. There were just a lot, like I said, there were a lot of small details that could cause doubt. Like some things, one of the simple things was in one of their accounts, the police came to them and the other one, they went to the police. So like they called police and police were like, stay where you're at. We'll, we'll interview you there. And the other account was that they went to the sheriff's office. So, like, small things like that where it kind of, I'm not saying they're lying, but I'm also saying that their book didn't instill additional confidence in my belief in them. So. One other opinion that I have that I'm going to share with you um, is, as far as Parker originally saying that he passed out, wasn't Parker the one that was trying to, like, get away from this as much as he possibly he could have just said that because he didn't want people asking him about it. He didn't want to talk about it. He so also he's just passed like, a polygraph test. Yeah. Say, and he, he passed saying that he passed out. Like that didn't show any indication of a lie there. Oh, well then I have no idea. Can't help. Yeah. I misunderstood. I thought that was the. No. So he told the polygraph people that he had passed out. Didn't show an indication of a lie from what I could find. Um, and now he's come out in 2018 and retold his experience. So I, I don't know. I wasn't I mean, there for the polygraph test. He could have told them the full story for all I know. Yeah. From what I understand, you can fake a polygraph test. I don't know how easy or hard it is. I imagine it's not. He was also a 19 year old boy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he necessarily knew how to do that. Yeah. He didn't have Google to Google it. Oh, no. How did people even live back then? Newspapers. Oh. Well, that's horrible. (laughs) I remember those days. I don't. I blacked those days out a long time ago. 
simpler times. Anyways, a lot of those discrepancies, though, could just be like a lot of people's memories will differ on the same thing. Like Cody and I can say, no, we were here for this and disagree on where we were. So it could be simple, something simple like that. But that is the Pascagoula abduction. I love this story. I'm glad that you love it. I really do. I've heard it before, uh, but and I've researched it like a little bit, but not this in depth. So I really greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. I was going to do a different alien abduction one, but I got bored researching it. And then I found this mm-hmm. one and I was like, this is more fun. So I my favorite part was your pronunciation of Gautier. How'd you say that again? Gautier. I love it. That's how most people pronounce it. Honestly. I don't know if that's how I said it. If we're going to be honest, I'm just bullshitting it right now. Either way, like it was, uh, it's very common to be pronounced like that. That's why I, or that's how I mean. There is no S in it. There's no S in it. (laughs) It doesn't have to be. I think it's like French or something. It's half French, half Kunas. Everything down there is. I know. Just make it phonetic for everyone. (laughs) We need to stop with these weird names. I love it. Oh. Anyways, do you have any more questions, comments, concerns, or complaints on the story? Um, I guess I can tell you, like, uh, my grandma from what she told me, and I'll—I haven't. I'm sorry, I didn't her. realize that you, it was this incident that she had seen, or else I wouldn't have done it, and I would have let you do it. So sorry. Oh no, you're good. I just regret, like, not. I was gonna ask her when I went down there, and I just never got around to it. But. Basically, from what I remember, and I'll have to ask her about this again, my dad and uncle were still little, which you said this was in 73? Yes. And they were born late, mid to late 60s. So that checks out. They were little and they were playing in the yard and they live. They didn't live in Gautier, they li- but they do live in Jackson, Mississippi. They just live in a different town. They lived near Pascagoula. Kind of on the outskirts. And they were out in the front yard. And my grandma said that she heard it. And it sounded like a really low, low flying plane. And when she saw it, she said it was just moving. And she said it had two two lights. I think she said they were blue. But it was moving in a way that a plane does not move. And it was really fast. And she said she just started yelling at my dad and my uncle, get in the house. And they all Jess got in the, is house. in the house. Yep. And they all got in the house. And she said that she could hear it like pass over the house. We are not getting abducted today. Yeah. Get your ass in the house. <laughs> like she was, she was terrifying. And my granny's a character. Okay. This is the same granny with the finger tornado. I've sent you the video. It's wonderful. I'm glad you just accepted it as being called the finger tornado. I mean, yeah, what else is it going to be? Fingers in a jar? That's no fun. It's you called f- it a finger snow globe for a while. And oh, yeah. I was adamant was on calling fun. it a finger tornado, so I just keep saying it. Yeah. It's anything better than two fingers in a jar. Like, <laughs> it's, come on, you got to spice it up some. Well, I can provide <laughs> a little spice. <laughs> I really uh, the story. I'm glad you liked it. Brought made me, me a little home. nervous once you're like, oh, yeah, my grandma. I went, oh, shit. <laughs> shit this was the story she talked about talking to her grandma about and i didn't i didn't even connect those dots i was like i know it's down near her but i don't know where pascagoula is <laughs> didn't i 
didn't do a gr- I just like went to Google Maps and was like Pascagoula and you know how it like does the outline yeah. that's all I did <laughs> well you said it right I'll give you that because I did hear another podcast that did it and this is like a while back and she originally pronounced it uh, or they excuse me originally pronounced it Pascagoula I think and I was like are you talking talking about Pascagoula I wanted it to be Pascagoula because like ghoul yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's why Yes, is is Pascagoula. Okay, good, 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 good. I'm glad. All right. Well, um, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, by whoa, why do I have Facebook right there? We're gonna restart that. I don't know what just happened. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod. Or you can find us on Facebook or Linktree by searching Hell on Heels podcast. <clears throat> if you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you guys, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for Patreon. If you have your own true crime or paranormal sto- stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen as well. That's another form of support that we gladly accept. Uh, This has been Hell on Heels podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye.